والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين سيدنا وحبيبنا ونبينا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه وأزواجه ومن تبعهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين أما بعد The chapter we are at in this, this book of Imam Bukhari rahimahullah Al-Adab Al-Mufrat is the chapter about Babu Buka'il Walidain making parents weep making parents cry Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Umar radiyallahu anhu said Buka'il Walidain min al-uquqi wal-kaba'ir This is the saying of Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Umar radiyallahu anhu of course, who learned this from Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam that making parents cry and this is part of disobedience and it's considered to be a major sin in Islam. Of course, this is when crying is through disobedience, is not you're leaving and they're feeling sad and crying, that's different. But when a person disobeys his parents and makes them cry because of that. The next chapter is about Da'watil Walidain, the dua of the parents. Abu Huraira radiallahu anhu says, I heard Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam saying, Thalathu da'watin mustajabatun lahun la shakka fihinna. That there are three Duas, three types of supplications, duas that are always answered without any doubt. Number one, da'watul mazlum, the dua of an oppressed person, a person who's being oppressed when he or she makes dua against the oppressor, against the wrongdoer. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says that dua is always accepted. To the extent, in another hadith, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Yaqulullah wa'izzati wa jalali la'ansurannaka walaw ba'dahin. Allah says, I swear by my honor, by my greatness, I will help you, even if it is after some time but you will see my help. There will be another chapter coming on this Muslim, a person who's oppressed and their rights. Uh, inshallah, we'll talk in more detail about it at that time. The second dua Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam mentioned here is da'watul musafir, the dua of a traveler. When a person is traveling, he is in a real, real important position, which means at that time du'as are accepted. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam is encouraging us to make du'a when we are traveling. Most of the time when we are traveling, we forget about ibadah at all. We forget about ibadah totally. When I'm going to get home, when I'm going to arrive, what time are we arriving, just looking at our GPS, okay, what should I do now? Let me just listen to something so that I can pass time. You know how many needs we have. And we don't have enough time for dua. In reality, we are supposed to be up every night for hours making dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. For all of our needs, the needs of our families, the needs of our children, the needs of our community, the need of our ummah. There are so many needs. If we just start with our own needs, we need hours and hours of presenting our needs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, especially, especially if we realize our needs of akhirah. How much I need when I go in my qabr. How much needs I have when I'm resurrected on the day of qiyamah. How much I need on the day of hisab. How much do I need to beg Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to grant me Jannah without Hisab? Because Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, and he's talking to Sahaba, he's talking to Sahaba, Man hisaba A person who is questioned on that day 
will have to go through punishment. If Allah will just ask why, that's it. It's done. Aisha radiallahu anha said, Ya Rasulullah, doesn't Allah says in Quran that there are some people who will have hisab and yasira? It's in Surah Al-Buruj. Hisab and yasira. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Dalikil arab. That is only being called for the questioning. A person will be called and will be reminded, see what you have done. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will say, okay, just go. That is hisab and yasira. But if he will ask, why? That's it. Done. Can we give any good reason for disobeying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Why didn't you pray that day? That's it. Done. Why didn't you fast on that day? Why didn't you help that person on that day? Why didn't you feed that needy person on that day? I mean, any why, that's it. We'll finish the person. If a question is asked about that situation, there is no way a person can present any good reason for disobeying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And of course we know, when it comes to huququl ibad, and this is the first part of zulm, as I said, more details will come later, inshallah. When it comes to huquq al-ibad, then that why will be asked for sure. In huquq al-ibad, that why will come for sure. Because that person is going to be having a claim. Ya Allah, he or she did this to me. Ask them why. Allah is not going to say, I'm not asking them why. That person is demanding his or her right. So this is why it's always good to clear all of our accounts in this dunya. And not to carry these accounts with us to akhirah. Otherwise, if that why would come, that's it, we are done. How do we skip that why? How do we protect ourselves against it? It's always number one. Having sincerity in our ibadah to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Number two, never show any laziness or neglect to the ibadah. That I don't care. I can do anything else. But when it comes to my deen, I'm not able to do it. Number three, when it comes to rights of people, you always rather be the oppressed than the oppressor. Sometimes you have only two choices. If the person is oppressing you, if you do something, you can't just do it within the limit. You can't just break evil. You have to do it more than what he has done to you. Now it's your choice. You do it, you will become the oppressor at the end. And he will demand his right on the day of payout. You can't say that, oh, because he did this, so I did it. And I had no choice but to do it more. No. If you did more, now you pay, to, you pay that person. So, if that's the only choice, then you just give up your right. Let the person do whatever he wants. Finally, on that day, that person will have to pay you. And even if he would pay you in this dunya, what is it that you're going to get? Hundred dollars for hundred dollars. A slap for a slap. What is it that we got out of it? But if you wait for that day, let that person keep on doing, mashallah, all of his hajj. Let him do his salah every day. Let him fast every day of Ramadan. Do taraweeh, recite Quran, help so many needy people in the world, give so much donation. And at the end, he comes and gives you that as a gift. That brother, I brought something for you. But brother, you're giving me all of this. Where are you going? I'm going to the other side. This is, in a, is a fact. It's mentioned in the hadith. Prophet wasallam said it's going to happen to people. And there will be a lot of people that will have, have to go through that. So, this is, always we need to remember that 
dua. We need a lot of dua. We need a lot of dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so that we can show our sincerity and our connection to our Rabb subhanahu wa ta'ala so he doesn't question us why did you do it. He will just have rahmah and mercy on us because we have been living in a way that we are showing our love, our connection to our Rabb subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the second dua Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said is the dua of the musafir. And again, I would like to remind and emphasize on this point that when we are traveling, most of the people when traveling, they listen, mean people who are more to, into a religious uh, people, people of taqwa, they will listen to anashi, to different type of uh, uh, different things. Maybe just things that are of no benefit just to pass time. This is your time of dua. Make a lot of dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Number three, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Da'watul walidi ala waladihi. The dua of the parents on their children. Now, this goes both ways. Parents making dua for their children or making dua against their children. They both are accepted. They both are accepted. This is very deep, very important. And every person who is in that position being parents really need to understand this. Number one, our du'as are one of the most important assets our children have. How much of that du'a are they missing because we don't have time for them? Our children need a lot of du'a because that's the most powerful tool they have in their life. Dua of their parents. Once we are gone, they don't have that anymore. Do we make dua for our children? How much dua do we make for our children? What dua do we make for our children? Really questions we need to ask ourselves. Very important reminder in this hadith that Prophet ﷺ is reminding us when they are young, when they are infants, start making dua for their iman, for their safety, for their health, for their future. And future of dunya and akhirah. Very important. Our children need us for, the, for our du'as more than they need us for their financial needs, for their education. Yes, we are to provide them with all of this. But if we neglect the du'a, then we are not giving them the most important thing they will need. And things, no one else can give them. If you don't feed them, someone else will come and feed them. They will find the piece of bread. But your dua, dua al-walid, dua of the parents, dua of the father especially in this hadith and other hadiths talk about the dua of mother also. So dua of the parents, there is no substitute to it. This is why those whose parents have left the world, that door is closed for them. For those of us who are parents, we should realize that this is what my children really need from me, for me to make a lot of dua for them. How many minutes do we make dua for our children? Very important. We need to ask ourselves, what type of dua are we making for our children? Are we making dua for the success of Akhirah also? Are we making dua for the safety of their Iman? Are we making dua for, the, for, the, for, the, for their protection of their a'mal, of the good deeds, istiqama on the deen, that they be firm on this deen, that they never lose their connection with Allah, with His Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, with the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. How much of those du'as have we made for our children? Very important. Now, as much as this is important that we remember our children need our dua and we should make dua for them. A lot of time, you know, we just keep on complaining about children. They don't listen. They're so rebellious. They're this, they're this. There could be anything. Your dua. Do you really make dua for them? People take their children for counseling and spend hours there. Couldn't get up for 15 minutes before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Qiyam al-Layl and Tahajjud before Salat al-Fajr to make dua for his child. That shows us where our trust is. That this person, psychologist, this doctor, this counselor can do something. His principal will talk to him, will do something. I can't do nothing. SubhanAllah. Whereas Rasulullah is telling us, the key is in your hand. That key is in your hand, is not in the hand 
of the psychologist, of the counselor, of the principal, of the teacher. It's in your hand, your dua. Get up at night time. Get up a few minutes before Salatul Fajr. Make dua for your children. That will fix everything, inshallah, for them. That will keep them on the path. That will keep them on the straight path. But we do everything other than this. Oh, my children, they don't obey. They don't listen. Or they don't study. They don't work hard. And we keep, this is another topic. Inshallah, when that topic comes, we will talk in more detail. We always keep on comparing them. You know, our neighbor's children, you know how bright they are. You know your cousin, how good he is. You know, you always compare them with children that are better than him. Why you never compare them with children that are, in, that are less than him or her? And tell them, MashaAllah, even if he failed and he got 40% and comes home, he's trying to hide his face. You tell him, yeah, that's good. You know, this time there, is a, there was another child. I know that he got only 30%. You made 40, you got 40%? Very good. Inshallah, next time you're going to get 60%. Now, the child feels my parents are with me. But he gets 90%. And you say, look, neighbor's children, he got 93. She, your cousin, he always used to get this. Oh, I always used to get 100%. You just broke your child. It's something that we need to learn. Parenting is not a joke. Parenting is not something that comes by default. It's something that we really need to learn. And Quran teaches us a lot about it. But when that topic comes, inshallah. So, one, I was saying one thing is dua of the parents for their children. The other part, the other side of it, parents getting upset and cursing at their children, which is also becoming very common. A lot of parents, they curse at their children. Your dua is accepted. And now you curse your child. What do you think is going to happen now? Now when you see the effect of the curse on your child, then you start crying. I don't know what happened. Someone did some magic on our family. Someone did some amal on our family. You know who did that amal? You did it. You did it the day you were upset. And you cursed your child. And now you see the effect of that curse. Maybe after 10 years. Oh, you will always be handicapped. You are always useless. You see the effect of it 10 years later. That he's not able to work. He's not able to earn. He's not able to do anything. And now you say, I don't know what happened. We tried everything. We took him for this. We took him for this. We took him... You did all of that. You asked Allah 10 years back that he needs to be handicapped. He needs to be useless. He has to be cursed. You know when Rasulullah was traveling with Sahaba and a Sahabi whose camel was walking slow and was not able to keep up with the rest of the caravan. So this Sahabi got very upset and he cursed at his camel. Rasulullah said, take your camel out of our group. I don't want this camel with us. This camel is cursed now. Take it out. And we don't want anything that is cursed to be with us. We curse our own children. What do you think would be the effect of it? So, even when parents are upset, mothers sometimes, they are furious. They are so upset. I mean, they can't take it no more. But don't utter a bad word of your, tongue, of your mouth against your children. Always control yourself. Wait until you cool down. And if you think that by cursing the child, I can really ruin this child's life, then why don't you at the same time make dua if you think your dua is accepted? Make dua for the child rather than cursing. And instead of saying whatever, you know, curse words we use, say, may Allah forgive you. May Allah guide you. May Allah protect you. Why did you do this? We need to get used to using good words. So, dua of the parents for or against their children is always accepted. The next hadith Imam Bukhari rahimahullah narrated 
gives us an example that Prophet ﷺ shared about the dua of the mother. This hadith is in Sahih al-Bukhari, Muslim and many other books of hadith. Lengthy hadith, beautiful story, full of lessons for us. We won't be able to go into the details of all the lessons that we learn from this hadith. I will just be pointing out some of the lessons from this hadith. But we will see how important this is. Just to realize what type of hadith we are about to study here. Prophet ﷺ is narrating a story, an incident that happened in the previous nation, in Bani Israel. So who told Rasulullah about this? It's so clear. We know it. It's from the Wahy. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala informed him. He didn't read a book of history and is narrating a story to us. Rabbul Alameen subhanahu wa ta'ala informed Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam about this. How many things have happened in the previous nations? Of course, maybe millions of situations. Out of those millions of incidents, if Allah, not me, not you, not a historian, not an educated person, not a professor, Allah is choosing few stories and this is one of those to inform Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam about it. And for Rasulullah to share with his ummah, that shows us how important this must be. And how many lessons must be there. There must be many more lessons in this hadith than what we could even be able to understand just by reading through this hadith. There has to be a lot more depth to it. But let's just look at the surface of it and at some clear visible points that we see in the hadith. The hadith is narrated on the authority of Sayyidina Abu Huraira radiallahu anhu who says, سَمِعْتُ رَسُولَ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ يَقُولُ I heard the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم saying, مَا تَكَلَّمَ مَوْلُودٌ مِنَ النَّاسِ فِي مَهْدٍ إِلَّا عِيسَ بْنُ مَرْيَمَ صلى الله عليه وسلم وَصَاحِبُ جُرَيْجِ Rasulullah صلى الله عليه وسلم said that only two people spoke in credible, which means two children spoke at a very, at their infancy, uh, they, when they were very, very young, not at the age of speaking yet, they spoke at that time. In this hadith, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam mentioned two, Isa alayhi salatu wasalam, and he said the companion of Juraj. Then he narrated the story of the companion of Juraj. But in another hadith, we learned that there are more children that spoke at that age in their cradle. Imam Qurtubi rahimahullah have mentioned seven. Imam Alusi rahimahullah in Tafsir Ruhul Ma'ani have mentioned eleven. When we look at these ahadith in detail, I found and Wallahu alam there could be number could go wrong and could be different, but from what I was searching the hadith, I found that there could be five of them that we can say these are authentic narrations that we find. If we include the person who witnessed for Yusuf alayhi salatu wasalam. We read in the story of Yusuf alayhi salatu wasalam, Mushayid shahidun min ahliha. A lot of Mufassirin say that that was an infant that spoke in the favor of Yusuf alayhi salatu wasalam. Another Mufassirin say no, it wasn't an infant, it was an adult. So if we include that, it's five from the authentic ahadith. And if we don't include that, it will be four. So let's include that, then we will say the person who witnessed for Yusuf alayhi salatu wasalam. Number two, a young boy who witnessed for a slave woman that used to work for Fir'aun. She used to comb the hair of Fir'aun's daughter. That incident is also mentioned in detail in the books of Hadith. Imam Bayhaqi, Imam Ahmad bin Hanbal and other scholars have narrated it in detail. <coughs> Number three, this incident that Rasulullah is narrating in this Hadith about the companion of Juraj, which means the boy who witnessed for Juraj. Number four, a hadith that is in Sahih al-Bukhari and other books of a hadith that a young boy spoke 
when his mother made dua, made dua and the narration says that uh, Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam said a woman was traveling and she was breastfeeding her child. She saw people. Uh, she saw uh, a wealthy man who was going in a very very beautiful ride and going in a way that everyone would just look up to that person. So his mother made dua, the, you know, this child's mother made dua, Allahumma ja'al ibni mithlahu. Ya Allah, make my child to be like this man. And right away, the boy stopped feeding and he said, Allahumma la taj'alni mithlahu. Ya Allah, don't make me like him. Then they passed by a slave woman. People were beating her up. So she made dua, Allahumma la tajal ibni mithlahu. Ya Allah, don't make my child like him, like her. And the child stopped feeding again and said, Allahumma ja'alni mithlaha. Ya Allah, make me like her. So the mother couldn't take it. You know, what the type of dua are you making? For Allah to make you like this girl here who's being beaten, beaten up. And then when she asked the reason why she's beaten up, people told her, that she committed adultery. This woman has committed adultery and this is why we are beating her up. So she continued and then she realized that her child is able to speak. So she says to him, what's the matter? I made dua for you to be like that great man. And he said, no. And then when I made dua that you don't be like this woman and you said who was being, was being beaten up because of committing adultery and you said you made dua that, uh, for Allah to make you like her he said yes that man was a tyrant ruler and he's doing zulman people he's showing arrogance and he's just living on the basis of his wealth and his position so of course this is his life in dunya in the hereafter he has no life I said Allah don't make me like him and this woman that was being beaten up, they're falsely accusing her of committing adultery. She has never done anything like this. And she is crying to them that I haven't done it. But they are not trusting her and beating her up. So I said, Ya Allah, I'd rather live like being a Muslim, being oppressed, than being that like that oppressor. So this was number four. And number five is the story that is in Surah Al-Buruj. When there was a tyrant ruler who made, uh, who was burning people for believing in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And a woman was being thrown, was about to be thrown in that fire with her infant that she's carrying with, uh, in her laps. And she hesitated because of her infant. And right there, that child was able to speak and said, ma'am, we are following the truth. Don't hesitate. Just let them do it. Let them burn us. So these are the five incidents that we find mentioned, uh, that are being mentioned in the hadith with, through, with authentic narrations. As I said, then in addition to that, Imam uh, Qurtubi rahimahullah have mentioned uh, some others like uh, Zakaria alayhi salam, Yahya alayhi salam, and then Imam Alusi rahimahullah have given a list, uh, Imam, uh, Imam Suti also has given a list of 11 people. But anyway, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, now when he mentioned this one, he said two people were uh, spoke and they in, in their cradle. So Sahaba Ridwanullahi Alimajma'in, when they heard the name Jurayl, they said, Ya Rasulullah, we are not familiar with this. We heard about Isa alayhi salam because it's in Quran, but we haven't heard anything about Jurayl. Wama sahibu Jurayl, who is this companion of Jurayl? Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Inna Jurayjan kana rajulan rahiban fi sawma'atin lah. Jurayl was a monk. You know, in those days, they used to just go away and worship uh, in the jungles, in the deserts, uh, they just build a small uh, place for them, a tent or something, or go in a cave. So Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Jurayj was a monk who lived in a hermitage. 
So he built a small place for himself and he used to live in there. وَكَانَ رَاعِ بَقَرٍ يَأْوِي إِلَىٰ أَسْفَلَ صَوْمَعَتِهِ There was a cowherd who used to come to the foot of this hermitage. So there was a person who was a, a, a cowherd, which means a, a person who was taking care of the cows. You know, uh, what's the other word as, uh, for the, uh, the cowherd? The other word in English, dictionaries that you find for that is Bakaru. Bakaru. Bakara. Cow. And in the old dictionaries, if you go back to the older dictionaries, it is Bakara. Then in the newer dictionaries, they change the word from Bakara to Bakaru. And here we see how much the language is being affected. There are a lot of other words, but that's another topic. But I thought this is interesting. When I looked at the word uh, Bakaru, who that was originally Bakara. Uh, and, and it's really K-A-R-A, which is nothing other than Bakara. It's a cow. So that person used to come all the way by that mount where Juraj was residing on top of it and he was doing, he was busy in the ibadah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Some narrations suggest that Juraj was a businessman. And one day as he's traveling for his business, he said to himself, I need to do a business where I don't lose anything. And he kept on thinking and thinking and thinking and finally this thought came to him that any business of this dunya I can lose it. And one day, I'm going to lose everything that I have. So I'd rather do my tijara with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And you know, the word tijara, business, is used in Surah Al-Saf. Ya ayyuhal ladheena amanu hal adullukum ala tijaratin tunjikum min adabin alim. Oh you who believe, should I inform you of a business, of a trade, tunjikum min adabin alim. That will save you from a painful punishment. So this is the business with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When a person is devoting himself to the ibadah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and to the service of the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this is when Juraj thought of becoming a rahib and becoming a monk. وَكَانَتْ إِمْرَاتٌ مِّنْ أَهْلِ الْقَرْيَةِ تَخْتَلِفُ إِلَى الرَّعِيِ Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, A woman from the village used to come to the cowherd which means to this person, and she had illegitimate, uh, illegitimate relationship with her. Now, as he used to come to him, finally Rasulullah said she became pregnant. One day, the mother of Juraj came to talk to Juraj. Juraj built his place of worship on top of the mountain. So it was high, his mother stood all the way down and she called him, Ya Juraj, Juraj, Juraj. Juraj heard his mother calling. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, فَقَالَ فِي نَفْسِهِ أُمِّي وَصَلَاتِي He said to himself, Ya Allah, my mother is calling me. On the other hand, I am doing my prayer. What should I do? And then, he concluded that he should prefer the prayer over answering his mother. So he continued praying. The mother shouted at him the second time, Juraj. In another narration, Rasulullah even as he was narrating the incident, he pointed at how the mother was calling, so he placed his hand on his forehead and he said she put her hand on the forehead and she called Juraj, Juraj Ana Ummuk, I'm your mother come, I want to talk to you and he says, Ya Rabbi Ummi wa Salati Ya Rabb, I'm praying and my mother is calling me and he decided to continue with his prayer, not to break the prayer she called him the third time 
And same thing, he continued with that decision that I will continue with my prayer. Mother got upset. And she made dua. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said she made this dua. La amatakallahu ya juraiju hatta tanzura fi wajhil mumisaat. May you never die until you have looked at the faces of the prostitute woman. This person is in ibadah. Of course, what could be more hurtful to this person than seeing those type of women? But now this is the dua the mother made. That male, you never die until you see the faces of prostitute women. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, this is the dua she made. If she would have made dua further than this, of him getting involved in the sin, he would have got involved in the sin too. Anyway, in another narration, and then the mother left. She left. In another narration of Sahih al-Bukhari, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, فَقَالَتْ إِمْرَأَةٌ After this dua of the mother, فَتَذَاكَرَ The hadith in Sahih Muslim, فَتَذَاكَرَ بَنُوا إِسْرَائِيلَ جُرَيْجًا Banu Israel, one day they are sitting together, they are having a gathering. Subhanallah, how history repeats itself, and how now this ummah's gatherings are similar to those gatherings. تَذَاكَرَ بَنُوا إِسْرَائِيلَ جُرَيْجًا Bani Israel had a gathering. In that gathering, they started talking about Juraj. And some people talked in favor of Juraj, how good of a person he is, ibadatahu, that he is, mashallah, always in ibadah, and he is praying, he is meditating, his devotion. Some other people sitting there, they couldn't tolerate this, they couldn't take it. How come you are admiring these Mullahs, these people that, you know, they are only in that ibadah. They don't know nothing of this dunya. And it so happened, as I said, hadith in Muslim, وَكَانَتْ إِمْرَأَةٌ بَغِيٌّ يُتَمَثَّلُ بِحُسْنِهَا There was a prostitute woman sitting there also. In that gathering, a prostitute woman is sitting there with them, and she was extremely pretty and people used to talk about her beauty. So she said, "In If you people want, I can approach Juraj and I can allure him to evil. And they proved it. Bani Israel what does Bani Israel means? You know what does Bani Israel means? The Muslims of that time. This is the Muslim nation of that time, the followers of a prophet, the followers of Musa salam. This woman is saying that that person that's sitting doing ibadah, I'm going to go and allure him and convince him to commit evil. He said, okay, if you want, go ahead. So she went to Juraj and she offered herself to Juraj. Juraj didn't accept that. And he said, Allah, may Allah protect me, may Allah protect us from this. And he continued his ibadah. Now this woman felt that this is a humiliation, that someone rejected her. SubhanAllah. A lot of women they like to hear other men admiring her. This is when she feels better and comes and tells her husband that, you know, one man said this to me and one man admired my cheek, the other man admired my makeup and the third man admired my dress and you don't admire nothing. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, I don't want to go into the detail, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam called this zina. This is also type of zina. When man is looking at women from that angle, and when woman is accepting that type of admiration from non-mahramman. man. 
So Juraich refused her. She didn't want to admit to those people that this is what happened. And she was refused. And there is some man in this world who will not be attracted to her beauty and they will not be involved in a sin. So she went, that is when she went and offered herself to that shepherd. And she kept on frequenting, visiting that shepherd until she got pregnant. When she got pregnant, she went back to her people and said, See, this is Jirach, this person who claims to be such a pious man. And now I'm pregnant from him. She delivered the child. As soon as, and they were waiting for that. As soon as she did this, they right away went and complained to the king. These people went and complained to the king. We will see later on in the hadith that prostitution was common in Bani Israel at that time. There were like a lot of women who were in that business. No one would talk to them, no one would stop them. When this woman claims that I'm pregnant from Juraj, they went and complained to the king. And they filed the case not in a lower court with the king. Come on, go and talk to Juraj. See what happens. What happened? What did he see? Get some, I mean, at least talk to him first. They didn't talk to Jurej. Jurej is unaware of what's happening out there. And they went and talked to the king. So he said, okay, call the woman. Let me talk to her. They took this woman and her child to the king. He asked her, Whose child is this? She said, Min Juraj. This is Juraj's child. He said, Asahibu Sawma'a, the man in the hermitage, that person who is pious and is doing ibadah. She said, Yes. Now the king got upset. He said, Go and destroy his hermitage and bring him to me. Again, you see the second problem here. He's not calling him first. He says, destroy his place of worship first. And then bring him to me. People are ready. Okay, can we go and break his place of worship? Let's go break that, burn that masjid. Let's go burn that place. Really, today, this is what we see. That in the ummah, in places where there are a lot of masajid, Every masjid hopes the other person, other masjid to be shut down. And we built a masjid next to another masjid, to next to a third masjid. And then each masjid would hope for the other masjid to shut down and to be closed down. And if anything wrong happens in any of those masjid, you see a celebration in this masjid. Are these people really doing ibadah of Allah in this masjid? By being happy about other masjid being shut down and being closed. This is not ibadah of Allah. This is worshipping our nafs. And now, as soon as they got that okay from the king, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, فَضَرَبُوا صَوْمَعَتَهُ بِالْفُؤُوسِ حَتَّى وَقَعَتْ They hacked the whole hermitage with axes. They all went with axes. And they started destroying and looking, what happened? He's not aware of anything. They said, now you're asking us what happened. Now we will find out what happened. Rasulullah said, they destroyed the whole hermitage, the place of worship. Then, they bound his hands to his neck. They tied him up. And then now they took him to the king. As they are taking him to the king, Rasulullah says, On the way they passed by people standing on the side of the street. Yeah, you know, if it is a criminal, 
no one would care. But this is this man, religious man, okay, if they are really, they have a claim against him, everyone is out watching out, to the extent, Rasulullah said, all the prostitute women are standing out there also, and they are watching the movie, or they are watching that scene there. That, you know, they're taking Juraj. Juraj, when he was passing by those prostitute women, you know, they have their own dress. The way they dress, the color, all of that shows that this is the type of woman that she is. Juraj, when he saw them, فَتَبَسَّمْ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهِ عَلَيْهِ says, he smiled. Now, just imagine, <laughs> this pious man, he looks at the prostitute woman, and he smiles, and وَهُنَّ يَنْظُرْنَ إِلَيْهِ فِي النَّاسِ And they are also looking at him with all the other people that are standing there. And people said, see, this is what he is into. He knows all of them. He's smiling to them. <laughs> SubhanAllah. What a beautiful lesson here. You know, how many things we see here. So people are looking at him. Okay, see, he knows them. He's smiling. He's smiling with them. He's not even remorseful of what he has done. We arrested him, we are taking him to the king. He may be killed. And still, he's smiling to these prostitutes. They went and informed the king about this also. Anyway, when they took him to the king, فَقَالَ الْمَلِكِ The king said to him, مَا تَزْعُمُ هَذِهِ Do you know what this, this woman is saying? So Jureh says, مَا تَزْعُمُ What is she saying? She claims that her child, you are the father of her child. So he looked at her. Do you really claim this? She said, yes. You don't know me? Remember when I came to you? She really went to him. He can't deny. And in today's language, I would say, and this is where the importance of Sharia plays its role. If really, if what, if it was our time, she would have been able to prove him guilty. Why? Because she went to him. She offered herself to him. And at that time, now you can go and take a DNA from the hermitage of Jurage from that place of worship of Juraid. And you may find that DNA matches this woman being in there. Now what can Juraid say? There is no way you can deny it. This is why from Sharia point of view, these are not proofs. These are not proofs from the Sharia point of view. So anyway, Juraid, what can he do? He turned to the infant. And he said, Man abuk, who is your father? And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allowed that infant to speak and he said, the cowherd, that shepherd that comes by your, the mountain, the bottom of the mountain where you do the ibadah, that is the person. Qal al-Malik, now the king turns to Juraid and says, Should we build your hermitage from gold out of gold for you now? He said, no. Min fiddha, at least allow us to build it of silver. Juraid says, no. He said, then what do you want us to build your place of worship again from? He said, rudduha kamakana, just build it the way it was before. That's all I need. I don't need it to be beautiful, to be gold, to be silver. So now the king says to Juraid, but tell me one thing. They reported to me that when you saw the prostitute woman, you smiled. Why did you smile to them? How do you know them? Like, do you know them? Uh, of course, recognition is different, but must be you know them. This is why you smiled with them and they're looking at you. Juraid said, no, no, no. That was... A story that, because see, people keep on building up things on top of each other. So they already have in mind that, you know, this is what he did. So now he smiled with them. So now it has to be connected to that. Juraid said, no, no, it's not. It has no connection with that. Amran araftuhu. This is something that I recognized. 
of something happened in my life. This is why I smiled when I saw them. And then he told them the story of his mother and the dua of his mother. And he said, when I saw their faces, I said, this is the dua of my mother that is making me go through all of this today. And this is when I smiled. That I remembered the dua of my mother. I said, my, the dua of my mother now has been fulfilled. My mother made dua that I see the faces of those women. So when I saw them, I said, at least the dua in my heart, that dua of my mother is fulfilled. After this, inshallah, Allah will help me now. Up to this point, I was going through difficulty. Now Allah will help me. And here we see, subhanAllah, there are so many lessons. But the most important thing that Rasulullah is reminding us of here is that the effect of the dua of the mother even against this pious man. So mothers need to be very careful. Both parents have to be very careful when we are making dua for or against our children. That we never, never make any dua against our children. Don't curse at your children. Don't use bad words against your children. It could really hurt them in their future. Maybe after you leave, you don't see the effect, but later on, they will suffer and you won't even know that your children are suffering because of your curse and your bad word and because of your dua against them. And as again, as I said, with all of these beautiful lessons, Rasulullah shared this beautiful story with us. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us tawfiq to learn our lessons from it. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us tawfiq to benefit from our Prophet how he beautifully used to sit with Sahaba. This is the type of gatherings. He was sitting, he's sitting in the masjid, he will sit with the Sahaba and he will narrate these stories to them so that he can educate them about these situations. May Allah give us tawfiq that we learn we learn from the ahadith what Rasulullah was teaching Sahaba and through that he was teaching us. And we keep up with these beautiful teachings of Rasulullah till the day of Qiyamah. Sayyidina wa Habibina wa Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in wa alhamdulillahi rabbil